welcome to the Arise podcast. My name is Tanya Anderson. I'm the CEO here at Arise, and it's my real pleasure to have with me Connor McGow, our coordinator for adaptive design. Welcome, Connor. Thank you. Glad to be here. So, Connor, a lot of folks may not know what adaptive design is. Can you fill us in? So the broad overview look at adaptive design is that it's it's building affordable equipment and tools that uh, increase inclusion, independence, access, and opportunity for folks with disabilities. So what does that mean in terms of nuts and bolts? So it's basically, you know, we're getting creative. We're taking low-cost materials that we're finding at an average, you know, Lowe's or Home Depot, and we're getting uh, talented people together, volunteers in the area, and we're all coming together to build that unique piece of equipment for that individual to allow them to achieve whatever it is they're they're excited about in life and want to uh, try to do. So, and these are usually people with a disability that come to us. Yep, it's it's always someone with a disability, um, and it can be someone of any age. We do a lot of work with children. There's a lot of need there we're finding, but we do work with individuals that are young, are old, um, and anywhere in between. Can you give me a couple of examples of things that you have? designed and made for people that have come come to arise sure um so we we have a pretty broad array of different types of equipment we can build um some things are really low tech um real basic uh some things are a little more high tech here that we've gotten into in recent years um so uh a general idea of uh something basic would be uh like a seating positioning item um it could be a just a specialized seat for a child who might need some assistance um, and some more support to be able to sit upright um, and engage in different activities throughout you know the day or at school Um, so we can just build them a customized uh, really low cost uh, chair that supports their needs and their their body uh, the way uh, to be able to allow them to to engage in those activities freely and most comfortably Um, and the, the seating and positioning items we make uh, are out of a very low-cost material, um, which I'm sure we'll, we'll get into a little more here, but it's actually cardboard. Um, it's not anything, um, you know, real uh, crazy in terms of, uh, you know, hardware and materials. It's, it's just cardboard. And I've seen those cardboard chairs, and they are amazing. So I might think, cardboard, my kid is going to fall over, but it's really strong, and it's also beautiful. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't turn out looking like cardboard in the end. Um, so it's actually what's called triple wall cardboard. So it's a much thicker cardboard. It's an industrial strength cardboard that, that they use to ship um, uh, things like refrigerators and melons and real heavy items. Um, so it holds a lot of weight. Its structural rigidity is really, really strong. Um, and we found ways to manipulate it. Uh, I've been taught actually ways to manipulate it um, and work with it. So it even increases that strength. Um, so we know what we're building is going to hold up for a long time and be safe for the individual who's using it. Uh, and then it gets a beautiful coat of paint and polyurethane. And, and that's, what's fun too, because that's really where, uh, you know, the, the individualized, um, part comes out, uh, where we really theme it to the, the end user and, and make it their own and make it pop and, and, and yeah, when you see these items, they don't look like cardboard in the end. They, they look like a piece of furniture, um, but 
yeah, you pick it up and all of a sudden it's, it's very lightweight and people are pretty shocked at uh, that the items they come into the shop and see uh, the finished products are actually cardboard the first time they see it. And as you said, you tailor them to the interest of the child. So it might have Muppets on it or flowers or fairies or race cars, oh, yeah. bright, bright colors. So just to give an example of that, one of my one of my favorites was one of the, the first uh, standing frames we did for a child who needed a, a sit-to-stand uh, piece of equipment to allow him to go from sitting to standing and then standing for longer periods of time without the assistance of someone there holding him uh, throughout that entire period. Um, so we, we got creative, uh, we made a completely customized piece of equipment for him, uh, primarily all out of cardboard. Um, and as we were working with him and his family, uh, who was involved throughout the whole build, uh, of the piece of equipment and were hands-on, uh, really fun, engaging family, um, that was able to be part of the mix the whole way through, uh, we learned that this little, Little guy liked monster trucks. Not only liked, he loved monster trucks, especially one El Toro Loco, if I remember right, uh, was his his favorite. And uh, he didn't, uh, one reason they were coming into us is he he didn't want to use the, the equipment that he was using in therapy. It wasn't fun for him. He was not very um, enthusiastic about doing those therapy uh, sessions he needed to do, especially at home. Um, so this uh, piece of equipment all of a sudden turned into, okay, let's make this thing a monster truck. Let's, let's make this fun for him um, because that's when he's going to want to use it. Um, if we bring play into our equipment like we usually do, it makes it so much more successful in the end, especially for the children. Um, and so we, we built this thing to, to look like his favorite monster truck, and it had a working dashboard and a key that would go in and rev the engine when he stood up and used it. And the parents couldn't get him out of it um, once they went home with it. So he used it every day. I got a I got an email a couple of months later and just said he's in this thing every day. He wants to, you know, mimic his dad going out to work. So he gets in when his dad goes out to work and he stands while his dad leaves and he pretends he's going to get a cup of coffee like dad. And it was just really special. Um, and that's what makes us worth work really rewarding too, is seeing those individualized things come to life and benefit somebody um, in a very special way so cool what are some of the more high-tech things that you're working on so we do uh, we work with some 3d printing and electronics as well um, so that's come in uh, more recently we didn't start with that uh, but both myself um, and Tracy Fleming our, our fabricator in the workshop have some experience in, in CAD and 3d printing so um, we've started working with with items that we might not be able to be able to build out of you know low-cost materials like cardboard that need to be a little more um, intricate, advanced, or just uh, have a little more um, uh, different structural properties that, you know, cardboard or, or PVC tubing or something like that might not fit. So we do some 3D printing for a lot of things for dexterity. Um, so say if you have arthritis, we can 3D print um, a piece of equipment to allow you to hold, um, uh, say, a pencil or a doorknob or keys or something like that um, more um, easily. And it can be tailored right to the size of your hand and the size of grip um, you need so it works well for you we'll even go um, as far as building uh, modified uh, mobility devices especially for children we've started working on those where we're taking low-cost power wheels toys and we're breaking those down adding some of our own electronics coding and and uh, 
structural seating into those and making those pretty much into a low cost little power wheelchair for a child that might not be able to have one of their own until they're five years old, which is a long stretch of time to go without something as critical as a wheelchair for, for independent movement. Absolutely. So it sounds like there's a huge range of skills and needs among the makers or the volunteers, everything from being able to solder wires with electronics to being a little artistic and painting the the cardboard standing frames to folks that have a specific occupational therapy background. Can you tell us a little bit about your maker community? Yeah. So, and that's, this is the, the thing when we first got into this that we didn't expect to, to come out of it was what a community it's, it's become, um, in the workshop here, uh, and, uh, just in general. Um, so, this is what makes the program thrive is the the community volunteer uh, aspect of it and we've been very fortunate in syracuse here to to have a a big enough community where we're getting a lot of skilled and interested people but a small enough community where we're able to reach those individuals and let them know about the program and they want to come in and be part of it and uh, we get quite an array we have people that come in and say i they walk in the door and say i don't have a skill i can't do this but i want to help and Everyone has a skill set and, and something they bring to the table, and, and we find that, and it's a lot of fun. Um, others have specific uh, skills that, that they know and want to apply um, to the work we do, such as um, you know, clinical experiences as a physical or occupational therapist. Um, we have engineers that have come in and help with you know, doing some of the CAD or designing, uh, some coding um, we have a lot of students work with us, um, PT students, um, occupational therapy, med students, um, some designers that uh, come and, you know, apply what they're learning in school um, to this to this effort and uh, seeing some real world application out of their work. It's, it's a little different than what they're doing in the class because it actually, you know, comes and affects somebody in their own community, um, which is really interesting. And uh and yeah, we, we really just have a, a broad array and that's what makes us so colorful and fun and, and successful. And I think the other thing that's really cool is that the person who's asking for the device is really involved in the process in terms of design and execution. Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. So as much as uh, it's possible, we try to include the end user and their their network of people um, in the mix of, of the build uh, from concept to completion. We, we want their input, and they're really the ones driving, um, you know, how this item's going to work for them, how they uh, want it to look, feel, uh, function in the end. And, and we usually try to take a, a three-tiered approach behind every project. So we have the individual, the end user, um, and their network of, you know, family, friends, their own clinicians coming in to help them um, and be part of that build process, along with our at least one clinical um, expert, so, you know, a PT or an OT, and then our maker. So, you know, if it's just a general hobbyist, someone that's had a lot of experience in the shop, uh, uh, engineer, um, designer, uh, to bring their skill sets and, you know, the building knowledge into the into the mix as well. And, and putting all those three together really ends up creating a, a, a much more successful end product. Absolutely. And we've got a beautiful space here at Arise where all of this magic happens. Can you um, describe the workshop a little bit? 
Yeah, we are very fortunate to have a, a really neat um, space. Uh, just within the last few years here, uh, we were able uh, to move into the basement here at 635 James Street, and we have a, almost a 2,000-square-foot workshop um, in the basement. And even though there's no windows because it's in the basement, it's very colorful, very bright, very fun. Um, and, and yeah, it's, it's a great place to have the community come in and work together. And, and that's a really neat thing too, is having all those different, um, professions and, and, uh, personalities coming in and working together and learning from one another too. that interprofessional aspect of it is, is pretty special. And tell me uh, how often do we have builds down in the basement? So we have, uh, builds open to the public, um, and you have to sign up for it. Um, but those are held every Monday and Thursday evening from 4 p.m. till 7 p.m. And then we also try to do one Saturday build event each month. And those are usually held the second Saturday of the month from 9.30 a.m. till 2.30 p.m. for those that might not be able to make it during the weekdays. And if someone wants to get involved in the maker community, what should they do? So whether you're looking for a piece of equipment or you want to uh, donate your time as a volunteer, we would love to have you and they can just email me at adaptivedesign at arising.org. You can also just call uh, the office at 315-671-5104. That's my office. Um, and if I don't get you, I'll definitely call you back right away. But uh, those are the best ways to, to get involved with the program. And we can also learn more on our website, which is arising.org. Absolutely. Yeah, we've got a nice little uh, tab on there you can click on and learn a lot more about adaptive design. So if one other thing I was thinking about, Halloween is coming up. Can you tell us a little bit about the fun projects you've done in Halloweens in the past? In the past, yes. And uh, I'm bummed we've, we've had, we've been up to our ears with projects right now. So we're not doing any this year, but I'm really hoping to get back to it next year. But we've done, um, so that's one thing that's really, really special about this too, is uh, a lot of people come to us with uh, needs that could be potentially uh uh, you know, durable medical equipment that they might not be able to afford or insurance doesn't want to pay for. But one thing insurance never pays for is recreation. Um, and that's a really big part of people's lives and makes up who they are and, and their personality and and wonderful memories down the road. Um, and yeah, dressing up on Halloween is definitely one of those. I always, you know, enjoyed that and remember back to when I was a kid and how special that is. And so we've done some costumes out of these basic materials for for children with disabilities. Um, we made one for the uh, kid who wanted to be a school bus. <laughs> Loved the school bus, and he wanted to be the school bus driver. So we built a whole school bus all around his wheelchair so he could still wheel around independently himself. Uh, but he had that costume that, you know, went around and kind of conformed to him in his chair, and, and it came out great. He loved it. Um, and I think it turned into a, an ambulance the next year he kept with the car theme um and then we did a a drum set one year too and we did a whole drum set around a, a child who was also a, a wheelchair user and uh and it had its own stage behind with curtain and a blinking neon sign with his name and just really really fun worked with the family and they all went out as a rock band uh, artists and one played the guitar and you know another and had a mic and he was he was the drummer in the back and yeah, it was and just making those those opportunities possible for people is is what we're here for, and it, it's a lot of fun and to get the community involved and and yeah, really enjoy just building together and learning and uh, and yeah, creating. 
Well, Connor, this has been such a great conversation. I can just hear the passion in your voice. And I've seen with my own eyes, just the magic that happens in the workshop with adaptive design. So thanks so much for um, joining me today. And if folks want more information about adaptive design, please go to our website. It's ariseinc.org. And we'll talk soon. For more information on how you can support Arise, visit our website at ariseinc.org. Support Arise, support independence. Thank you.